Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Weaver Beyond the Numbers, the Business of Government. I am your host, Adam Jones. Today, we're delving into a topic that I don't know near enough about, and that is the topic of cyber insurance, especially as it applies to government agencies. Luckily, we're joined by a leader in the field, a newly minted partner with Weaver, Trip Hillman. Congratulations, Trip, who is the leader of our cybersecurity practice. Tripp, you were in a field as a consultant that seems to change by the hour. What's been the evolution of your career? How have you got into it? And what is what are the changes in cybersecurity over the last few years for government agencies? Thank you, Adam, for having me here. Um, cybersecurity really is, is an ever-changing field. Uh, it's, it's an ever-expanding, ever ever-growing field. Um, I got into it really from the IT uh, audit, IT controls field, looking at it. IT risk and controls uh, assessments, and then really, you know, as there's been a growth of IT specialists on top of business controls, there's there's also a growth of cybersecurity specialists on top of the IT control environment, um, and so we're seeing specialists being required to go into the, these areas that are uh, ever, really really ever expanding, and and as we see the standards are growing, there's there's many standards, many requirements, many frameworks. Um, that organizations, including government organizations that have to be uh, subject to those. There's new quote-unquote best practices, and everybody's pointing to a new book or a new uh, compl- set of compliance standards, and there's new frameworks that are growing as part of that, um, as well as the technologies ever expanding as well. We're now seeing you know, uh, what used to be just virtualized computers and infrastructure components. Now we're seeing containers on top of that. Uh, so the abstraction of technology continues uh, to, to fuel the growth um, of really the demand um, to keep up with with processes, which really creates an interesting field, uh, as you kind of alluded to. It's something you've got to stay sharp on, and it's not just what did you learn this year, it's what did you learn this month uh, to stay up on you know, quarterly growth as well. Or sometimes this week. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> the, the landscape has evolved to the point that there is now a market for insurance and economics, there's a market for everything, and there's a market for insurance to protect the cybersecurity of large entities. Probably hit the private sector first, but now government agencies have to take a serious look at cybersecurity insurance. What does that look like? How it's how has it evolved, and what what sort of considerations are coming into play in cybersecurity insurance? Yeah, and everybody, everybody's got a view on cyber insurance. Um, so, so some people feel very strongly for it. Some people feel, feel very strongly against it. But I think that you know, first off, just kind of level setting is that we recognize that it's it's only it's one mechanism uh, for treating a particular risk. And so, many people, many organizations are looking at it um, as part of a portfolio for how do they treat their their overall cybersecurity risk posture. Um, and so looking at it, cyber insurance, you know, we've seen a, you know, a sine wave of growth with, with cyber insurance. It used to be really cheap and it didn't really take much to, to get cyber insurance to really where we've evolved now to, you know, cybersecurity questionnaires are 80 plus questions, 120 plus questions. They're dr- diving very deep. It used to be, you know, do you want cyber insurance? Tell us your revenue. We'll, we'll, we'll spit you out a quote number. And, and that was really it. And, and we're seeing a lot more metrics being gathered on this. Um, and a lot more definition being put into it of does this include, you know, attacks that would come from email, business email compromise? Is that included or not? Is malware, you know, ransomware coverage? Are those uh, 
elements that are included or not. So we're just really seeing a lot of definition that are coming to the, the cyber insurance products that are being offered. On the flip side, that, that means that our business um, you know, process owners, the stakeholders within an organization, whether that's finance, whether that's operations, whether that's IT, uh, we see cyber risk policies championed by different people inside of an, of an organization, depending upon the size and where responsibilities are. Um, and so we're seeing those those responsibilities shared across different stakeholders within an organization. So it uh, it can really vary about how this is being handled inside an organization, but there's a lot of growth with it. It varies about how it's handled and it varies about who handles it. This could be an audit function. It could be a function of the CIO. It could be the, a, a function of the CFO. When you look at government agencies in particular, what puts them at high risk and what are something an executive leader would say, oh, wow, we really need to look into cyber insurance because I am worried about X. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a very easy sounding question on the surface that has a lot of depth to it. And that, I think that's why it's, it's nice to be able to spend time drilling down on that. I think that one of the things that I, I find concerning with with some of the areas that I review is where organizations have procured it. Um, and then now there's being more scrutiny asked at the renewal. So let's just say that an organization already has cyber insurance. Now a, a renewals come up. Somebody, a, a leader within the organization says, I, I want to requote this. This, the premium's gone up. I want to, I want to make sure that we're getting the best, you know, bang for the buck, so to speak. Um, when they do that, they may have to reshop that and refill out questionnaires. They could find that now the depth of knowledge, the depth of information being requested in response to be able to accurately quote insurance is a lot more information. Um, and so if you were quote unquote grandfathered in and you just kept renewing at a reasonable rate, um, you may have had a, a quote unquote sweet deal with not a lot of scrutiny. Uh, now we're actually, you know, the insurance agencies are dri- driving down on that. The brokers are helping, you know, gather more information and drill down on that, uh, which is producing some interesting results, right? As far as that comes with that. Of now, now we previously said that we had security controls and we checked that box, and now they want to know details about those security controls. Um, and, and who's responding to those questionnaires really plays a big part in that. And, and is the person that filled it out originally still there? Has the responsibility for this changed? Like you mentioned to a different department, maybe. And so did we fill it out with that CIO perspective or did we fill it out with maybe a chief risk officer or chief operations or somebody who's, who's uh, more business operations driven as part of that? Or is it coming out of the CFO's office? And so we're seeing different stakeholders that may be filling that out or there may be new eyes on some of these responses for the first time. And so we're now we're filling it out with a different perspective or we're viewing the coverage with a different perspective, as well as the things that an organization may be you know, attesting to on, on a form. Yeah, and when you say an 80 to 100 um, question questionnaire, that sounds pretty dicey to me. So when you're trying to, to represent your agency, because there are dollars at stake here, what's the best, what should you look, look for in those kinds of questions that give you your best sort of cybersecurity posture when you're in the insurance market? Absolutely. It's a, it's a good question. And, you know, number one thing, be truthful. We don't, we don't want to profess something that, that doesn't really exist that's there. So we want to yeah. tell the truth. Uh, and, and we assume that, you know, nobody's trying to be, you know, deceitful. But these questions are very yes, no questions. And they have, you know, usually government organizations have a very broad 
technology landscape. I might have different enclaves or different components or entirely different um, operations inside of or under one quote unquote uh, umbrella as part of that. And so I could be representing as part of this insurance. I need to know what it is that I'm representing this on behalf of. I'm thinking about organizations that may have law enforcement components as part of that. Is that included as part of this assessment or not? You know, what what business units, organizational units are you considering as part of uh, your response? And I think making sure that you define the scope of how you're filling out this questionnaire is is key for consistency. So know uh, the perspective and lens and maybe document that at least internally so that you've got judgment in case this responsibility or role changes, right? If, if, if I fill it out as the CIO, I want my notes to be recorded for posterity's sake, as well as in case this moves to be a, a CFO item, or if this is going to be led by an insurance officer or something like that. So know the perspective for how this questionnaire is being filled out. And then really, I want to be able to, to, to give the best indicator of a safeguard that's being met. If we look at the questionnaire, we want to know what is a practice that's generally implemented as a baseline for this organization? When we say, you know, is let's use multi-factor authentication, for example, if multi-factor authentication is present, what is the intent of the questionnaire? Are there definitions that are provided in the questionnaire that we can use and leverage to interpret the what is the appropriate response for this? So when the insurance questionnaire says, what is MFA? Let's look and see if there's a definition at the back so that we're not assuming uh, a definition that they may uh, that may differ from how, how we populate a response. So it, this sounds like something that should be led by a technologist of some stripe, but there are a lot of players. So what considerations does a CIO, CTO have versus a risk or compliance officer versus a CFO, or even up the governance chain, a board member? What kind of considerations do they have when they consider uh, cybersecurity, cyber insurance? Sorry. Yeah. And I think that, that the general response that I'd be trying to drive somebody towards is that can, can we answer, there's, there's usually a place that allows for notes. So while I said they're yes, no question, at the end of a section, there's usually a, a place, a space for additional uh, commentary and responses. And so understanding what this, this questionnaire is being used for is, is right, the, the insurers are trying to get an understanding of what our organization's posture looks like. And the best way they have that is this questionnaire to be able to work with us on. So can we answer, yes, this is how we do it, rather than is, is MFA, is multi-factor authentication implemented um, across the environment? It, if I answer no, and then I just go on to describe how it's done 90, across 95% of the environment, that's going to be detrimental to our posture of how we're viewed as an organization. When really, it, it may be better you know, in working with your broker to say, hey, we're going we're to fill this out, and we're going to put, yes, we do this across 95% of the environment. Here's the one piece where it's not done. Let us tell you about that so that they have a more accurate depiction of that. We're still being truthful. We're being honest, uh, but we're, we're guiding them to, to what is a reasonable conclusion about the question that they're asking. Um, and I think that that's, that's kind of part of what you see is the difference of the perspective of somebody that's filling it out. Um, a security practitioner, somebody that's in the IT department may come at this with a very, um, at, you know, black and white approach, um, you know, very, very bifurcated on, on, on it's either yes, no, and there's no in-between when really when we're talking about governmental organizations and really any large enterprise size organization, there's a lot of deviation across the technology environment as a whole. And so we need to be able to, to speak to the generalities of that 
and to provide as much insight uh, to the participants in this process uh, and, and, and give a clear and accurate depiction of, of what the risk environment really looks like. We, we've talked a lot about the perils of renewal um, back in what seems like a different lifetime. I was an agency COO and CIO, and I never had to deal with this problem. So a executive dealing with this for the very first time, what are the, the key factors to consider when you um, delve into the world of cyber insurance? Yeah, and I, I think before, you know, I think there's a, a natural knee-jerk reaction that said, and, and it makes sense, right? Of, of I haven't been in that finance, you know, managing the finances of, of a major organization like that. But if I, I understand where there comes a, a time to go, hey, this product, this line item, is is a very expensive item. It's become, you know, it started out as a a non-material cost, and over you know three, five, seven years, it's grown uh, to be a material cost line item. And so naturally, we want to go out and get this requoted. Uh, and what I see is that we're just managing the cost side of that. We're not actually understanding what is the risk treatment that's happening with this cyber insurance. What is our actual cyber risk, and what is the risk treatment that we're getting through this particular cyber insurance? And so that would be driving down to what does our policy actually cover for us? You know, is it the right coverage that we need? Does it cover the risks that are actually present for our organization? It, as I mentioned earlier, it, 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 if it's not addressing, you know, business email compromise, which is a, a phishing email attack, basically, that's the number one leading factor for a lot of uh, attacks that happen within an organization. If I was managing that, I would want to know that if this is our largest attack vector, does our insurance help offset our largest attack vector, our largest risk profile from that? So it's not just saying, do we have cyber insurance check the box? Do we have the right coverage of our policy that meets our risk profile for our organization? And so before I just went out and requoted to get a lower price, I would want, want to make sure that I understood what are the policy elements, the components of this policy and how do they map against our, our attack service, our, our cyber risk profile? And then are these uh, mitigation efforts helpful? And then what is the value of that? And then working back into that cost of working through, you know, what, what are the things that we can do to either increase our posture so that we, we look more uh, insurable at a good price point? Um, and, and what are the things that, that come from that? You never want to be on the phone with an insurance company and them to tell you, yeah, we don't cover that. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, why, that's, that's, that the worst, the worst way to find, find that out is to say, we've had an event, we, we make a, a claim on our cyber insurance and now we've learned that, Oh, we didn't have a policy that covered that particular element of it. Uh, that, that's, that's not the time to go exploring what your policy covers uh, and how robust of a policy we have. And, and did we, you know, well, we saved X amount of dollars on the premium, but now it doesn't actually do anything for us. As a um, keen observer of cybersecurity, uh, over the next three, or four, three to five, you noted even a seven-year timeline, cyber attacks will get more sophisticated. How does your posture and your insurance coverage keep up with, I'm just going to say it, the bad guys. What do you see over the next three or five years, both in the evolution of cyber threats and how the insurance industry responds to those threats? Well, as you know, as we, we started out talking about this subject, you know, and, and even um, in, in just some of our dialogues that we've had on the side, I think that, you know, we've seen a lot of changes um, in the recent, recent months and specifically war exclusions. That's one of the, the 
uh, unfortunate uh, developments that's happened in this space. Um, the, the as you said, the cyber attacks are growing. The, the the bad guys are getting more advanced, and also the dollars that come from that are getting larger. The the payouts that we're seeing for ransomware events are are growing in cost, growing in frequency. Um, somebody somebody made a, a kind of a, an aside comment one time of well, they, if it wasn't lucrative, they wouldn't be doing it. Uh, so there, there is that mo- that money element that's that's in in it, uh, and so the, we see these attack profiles that are growing. Uh, and so looking, really looking for what I'm when I'm worried about when people say, oh yeah, and almost dismissively, like we have cyber insurance, that 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 prickles the hair on my on the back of my neck on my arms. You know, that gets me a little tense about feeling about that. Of well, do you have the right cyber insurance? Uh, does it cover those types of events? What are you know? Are you a a um, and an attack target for a nation state actor that could be deemed part of that that war exclusion clause um, such that your largest risk vector is coming from a nation state. Is that something that could be excluded um, outside of your cybersecurity policy due due to a clause that's in there? Um, Then that's where I go back to saying, you know, really, I want to look at what what are the, the cyber risk attack vectors that are relevant to your organization? And then is this policy aligned to that? The other piece that's growing is just the technology is advancing. And so the insurers are getting smarter and savvier with, hey, there's certain products that are meeting or solutions and and implementations that are um, reducing their their costs of paying out on on a particular claim. Um, And so the insurers are able to be more picky with what they will say. You know, we're looking for these top one, two, three, four, five antivirus, EDR, endpoint detection response uh, products, and not just that you the existence of any any product, but they want to know that it's one that's been vetted, that it's on their list. They're looking for, um, you know, quote unquote time time proven solutions um, that they feel like they're going to get the re- the return effective on effective measures versus cost. The, it is. It just blows me away the risk considerations the current government leader faces these days. Um, so I'm going to go lightning round trip. You have a, a pretty broad array of clients, both in the public or private sector. If there are two or three Trip Hillman ideas about cybersecurity, what are the best couple of pieces of advice you give government leaders? Yeah, I, th- I think it's. Don't don't trust your program's knowledge to somebody else. Go ahead and roll up your sleeves and get into it. Understand it. Um, if it's a vocabulary issue, uh, good people should be able to work around that on both sides, business leaders, IT leaders. We shouldn't let vocabulary be the piece that stands in our way. We should be able to, to solve that. So so can we sync up on that? What are our capabilities? What are our risks? And and, and come together on a, on a level playing field of communications. Fantastic thoughts, Trip. Thank you very much for helping me understand a little. I'm a little bit smarter now uh, than I was when we started. A, a fascinating topic, one that will take on increasing importance in both the public and private sector. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thanks, Trip. Thanks so much, Adam, for the time. I enjoyed it. And thank all of you for joining us on another episode of The Business of Government. We'll see you next time. I'm Adam Jones. <laughs>